Salvation Society. God save the duck, the bill and variety. We are the Desperate and Appreciation Society. Hi, welcome to the Lessons of Life podcast, where we study the 12 laws of mind. We study the great books about manifesting, the Bible, and the mystics, Neville Goddard, Joseph Murphy, Emmett Fox, and many more. And we take a look at it all, a 360 bird's eye view, and figure out how this affects us in our lives and what it's telling us. So this season, season six, is all about the patrons and the patrons fill out a poll and tell me what they would like to hear about and this week's patron poll winner winner chicken dinner is maybe life history consciously manifesting unconsciously manifesting and it's really about um, me so you know I'll do my best here I was hoping to get some details in the comments about, you know, that. And what I did get was, you know, Mimi's personal story, personal relationship, and work. Well, I'm doing the work I love to do. This is what I do. Okay? And I'm divinely compensated in wonderful ways. And it, it all works out perfectly. It's wonderful. You know, I have the patron side and the, my books and these podcasts and the YouTube videos. And I, I love doing it. That's what I love to do. And that's what I'm doing. I'm living life. And I'm loving it. I get to use my entertainment knowledge and, you know, uh, everything I learned about entertainment with the videos and these podcasts and then my writing which I've been doing since I could write uh, always uh, I do that at the Patreon site and a lot of those get pulled together and, and create the books so I'm living the life I love it it's, um, my personal life my personal life is really like Leela in the fifth element. She shows up and then she learns all about the world and life and everything. You know, and, and that was me. It was just one after another after another. And it was funny because, um, you know, I, I never, because of my leg and because of the way that happened you know my mother promised me to God while I was still in the womb because she realized she was pregnant when she had an x-ray done and then she just worried about you know I would be burned or deformed or something like that you know so she promised me to God if uh, she you know the baby would just be perfectly fine so I came out perfectly fine but I came out with a birthmark on my leg and it was black and in 1959, they didn't see black birthmarks. They saw red ones. So they all got afraid. And they worried that that birthmark was going to become cancerous. So, you know, when I was three, they did an operation on my leg to take 
that off and they put uh, early plastic surgery, it's 1962 at the time, you know, they took one uh, inch of skin and grafted it on and they were going to put one inch of skin, you know, every couple of weeks. Well, they were part way into that, and I was riding on the back of the bike of my brother's new bike. He had a banana seat, and we lived at the top of a hill, and we would go really fast down the hill. And I had this big old cast on my leg, and he would put me on the back of his bike, and my cast left my toes and my heel free. It was open, and my heel got stuck in the spokes of his bike, and it got all cut up and then it got infected and I remember telling my mom look my heels turned all the colors except for gold and silver do you think it'll turn gold and silver too and they were, they were just so worried I know they were and the doctors I was dying the doctors told her you know the infections raging there's nothing we can do you know She's, she's dying and my mother went and prayed to God and she asked him to forgive her for trying to mess with my leg and that she would never mess with my leg again and that she knew she promised me to him and that you know this was his not hers and she she forgave you know please forgive me for messing with her leg I'll never, never mess with her leg again. Well, he saved me. I, I survived. As you know, I'm talking to you. And uh, they ended up scraping all the old skin they had put on there off. And they took one great big piece of skin off my left leg and they put it on my right leg. And that took, you know, but there was a big scar and a chunk taken out of my leg. And uh, only after I found Neville Goddard did I realize, you know, what was going on with my life and why things were the way they were. She had promised me to God. So then my first uh, real memory that I have was I was picking up bobby pins so my little baby brother wouldn't grab them and choke on them. And I had been playing with my turtles in their little Hawaiian island. I had two red earth turtles. When I looked up and I saw LBJ on the plane getting sworn in as president. And I saw Jackie next to him with the blood on her dress. And I kind of got freaked. And we had a maid. Uh, her name was Eleanor Guzman. And the Guzmans were like family. Um, they were just part of the family. And I ran to Eleanor. And she put me up on the counter and asked me what was wrong. And I told her there was a bad man on TV. She went and looked and she goes, no, he, he's a sad man. And I was like, no, he's a bad man. So she um, made me some homemade french fries and I forgot all about it. <laughs> You know, and that was my very first memory, but my mother would tell a story all the time. 
you know, how I would talk to dead people, you know, and how I came in one morning and told her there was just the most beautiful angel who came to talk to me. And she's just lovely and she has red hair. And she said you would know her. And my mom was like, really? She had red hair? Was it short or long? I said, she looked like Aunt Shirley. She's beautiful. But her red hair was long. And she was wearing a black dress. And it was shiny. And it was, I loved it, Mom. I loved her dress. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she would tell this story. I do not remember this. And then she showed me a picture of my Aunt Charlotte, which is my Aunt Shirley's um, mother. They were cousins, really, so we always called them Aunt because they all lived together and they were closer than cousins in their minds. So, you know, I know I freaked them out when I was in corpus, you know, my whole youth until I finally figured out this was upsetting them and it's better not to tell them this stuff you know but I would I would I want a memory I really strongly have is I was talking to this man and he was a really nice man I really liked him and I told him he was the best you know and it's it's all gonna be great you know I remember telling him all this and then the next day, I was outside playing in the front yard, and this man drives up and gets out of his car, and it's the man from my dream. And I ran up to him and hugged him. I said, you're here, you're here. You know, come on. And I dragged him up to the porch. In those days, we didn't have air conditioning. So the front door was always closed, and there was a screen door in front of that. You know, so I had opened up the screen door, and mom, 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 come on. My mom opens up the door, so when my mom opens up the door, it's all open, you know. I was like, he's here. The man's here. She goes, what man? This man, this man, the man's here, you know. And so she goes, well, pardon my daughter, please, come in, you know. And he was a fuller brush salesman. <laughs> she bought a brush from him, and he left, and then she fussed at me. You know, that you shouldn't let strangers in the house. I'm like arguing with her. He's not a stranger. I, I saw him last night and we had a long talk. He's not a stranger. He's a good man. You know? <laughs> She's like, really, you don't know that man. You know, and so I know I, I worried them a lot. I will not forget that. She was quite adamant. I was not to do that kind of thing again, no matter who I talked to the night before. <laughs> So it was like, you know, that when I was growing up in Corpus and when we, you know, it, things that would scare other people weren't scaring me. We, Hurricane Carla came and the sheriff had knocked on our door saying, you know, you need to evacuate if you're going to evacuate. My dad's like, no, we're going to ride this up, you know, and we did. And so as the storm was raging, you know, we were all in my parents' bed. And I was like, let's play a game. <laughs> and my mom's like, I, I can't play. Okay, don't play. Let's play a game. You know, and we got out a deck of cards. And, 
you know, we're playing a game and finally my mom joined in and then we got into the eye of the storm. And that's when the fun really began because the lights had gone out and we couldn't play our cards anymore. And then we went into the eye of the storm. It was like, bam, bam, right? And so my dad's like, okay, time to cook. You know, we had an enclosed porch and his grill was back there. And he made this grill by himself and it could hold, you know, six, seven chickens. So he started um, cooking the food in the fridge and the freezer and then sticking it back in the freezer, which was the coldest place. And, you know, he was singing and getting drunk, <laughs> drinking beers. And I was out there helping him. My mom's like, we don't have a lot of time. Come on. You know, my dad's like, we got plenty of time. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> then we went back into the bedroom, you know, and it finished. And when my dad went out, the only damage to our house was the garage door had been um, torn off and some of the roof on the garage. And that's where he kept his budgies. And my sister saw a cat on the fence and she got afraid that the cat was going to come get the budgies. So she let them all loose. And he had to run around wetting them because wet birds can't fly and getting them all back. And the house next door to us had been picked up and turned around where the back door was now the front door. And the front door became the back door, you know. And it was like, wow, you know, that's like Dorothy, you know, the tornado picks up the house, you know. <laughs> My dad was like, holy cow, you know, and he's running around making sure we're all good. And he ran to the neighbor, and the neighbor was telling him it was like, you know, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, we're okay, we're okay. You know, but it was crazy. It was crazy, Frank. It was crazy, you know. And later we heard about um, this storm surge and the waves and stuff taking down that hotel by the beach. I think it was 13 people died having a hurricane party at the hotel. And my mom was like, no, we need to evacuate from now on. And my dad's like, I haven't run from a hurricane yet. I'm not going to start now. You know, just don't do it. And, you know, he never did. He never did until the very end when uh, hurricane... Rita looked like it was taking up the entire Gulf Coast and he went to my daughter's house in Nacogdoches and guess where the hurricane went? Yeah, came up Beaumont instead of Houston and Galveston and followed him into Nacogdoches, you know, and he was like laughing about it. He's like, well, see, see. Took us 18 hours to get here, and it still followed me here. You know, I should have faced it there. It would have skirted around. <laughs> you know, and I felt bad because I had played into that. And I was like, well, Dad, I'm just glad you're safe. I'm glad you're safe. You know, he was, me too. It's all okay. It's good. So, you know, my parents... When I was still little, we still lived in Corpus Christi. Um, took
took my older brother and sister to go see the Beatles. And uh, I played with my sister's makeup and just a little bit. She didn't even notice it. But what she did notice was I took her cookbook. She had a cookbook. And I made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with that cookbook. But Eleanor read it to me, but I got the jelly on it. Okay. <laughs> Cleaned it up the best I could. She went haywire, you know, when she got home about me messing with her stuff, you know. My dad was like, don't worry about it. It's not even sticky, you know. Like, That's not the point. <laughs> and I was messing with her stuff, you know, so. I would. If she told me I couldn't, I did. You know, just because it made me laugh. So this is how it was when I was growing up in Corpus. I was literally was talking to quote-unquote dead people or angels or, you know, somebody that wasn't here in reality. And then we moved to Houston. And when we moved to Houston, my mom and dad joined a paranormal group uh, back then it was called ESP and uh, it was about you know helping each other who had extrasensory perception you know ESP only I did it so much I scared them the last straw was everybody had to bring a present you know it was a Christmas party and so if you had a boy, you brought a present for a boy. And if you had a girl, you brought a present for a girl. And then they would ask one child to take these presents and pass them back out. To You know, there was no names on them, so these are for girls and these are for boys. So they asked me to do it. So I did, and I started taking them right back to the person who brought them. And by the fifth time, they started laughing. They said, well, thank you, Rita. You know, I've got somebody else to do it. So they told my parents that uh, we were no longer welcome in the group. So that was kind of, that was kind of funny. I thought anyways. You know, I scared the paranormal group. But, um... It was more about my parents at that point, you know, they were the worried ones. So I figured it out and I stopped telling them. And there was one instance where I went and laid on my bed and I was just being, just chilling, you know, and suddenly I wasn't there. I was on a horse riding bareback and I was older. And I was following, or I think racing, really, um, a young man on a horse riding bareback in front of me. And we were Native American Indians. And I had long black hair, and it was a different body, but it was me, you know? And we were laughing and having fun and racing our horses, or running them as fast as we could. And then I, you know, came out of it thought about it for a long, long time. And then one day, you know, my mom just asked me, what are you thinking about? And without thinking, I told her about it. You know, I, I know it worried her. You know, I said, 
she was she was worried. You know, so around that time I had been in public school from the first grade to the fifth grade and in sixth grade they put me into uh, Catholic school. Now they told me it was because they didn't want me bused. But that didn't make any sense because Houston didn't do that. They had magnet schools. Okay, that's how they dealt with segregation. And that's just didn't make any sense to me. And so I figured it out. It was because they were afraid. <laughs> they wanted me to be with the, the nuns and the priest. And we had moved to Houston about a year, two years after moving to Houston, it was time for my, um, you know, uh, first confession and your baptism, right? Your uh, first communion, not baptism, but first communion, Catholic Church. In order for you to have first communion, you have to have your first confession. And you get to wear this beautiful dress and a veil, you know, I had little white patent leather shoes and lacy socks and I was so excited I was going to get to wear this beautiful outfit, you know, and I learned the prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, you know, because that's what you're going to have to say. And then they explained it to us. It was the night before, or two nights before, and said, okay, you go into that box back there all right and there'll be a little panel and they're showing it to us see and the priest sits over here and you sit over here and you tell him all your sins you know and uh, then he'll tell you what prayers you have to say to be forgiven you know and I was polite I waited to the end of the class and then I said to Father Shoppy, you know, Father Shoppy, that makes no sense. Why do I have to tell somebody my sins when I tell God my sins every night and he forgives me every night? You know, and he wouldn't talk to me about it. He wouldn't got my parents. I don't know what you've been telling this child. You know, this is what she said to me. You know, her communion, her first communion is in two days. You know. Like, you better do something about this. So we went home, and my dad finally broke the silence when we got home. Rita, what did you say to the father shopping? I told him I shouldn't have to go in a box and confess, because I do that every night when I say my prayers, and God forgives me every night. You know, you that's what you do you give thanks and you tell them what you did wrong and then it's all washed away it's forgiven <laughs> I was quite adamant in this <laughs> and my dad started laughing my mom started crying you know and my dad's like come here Rita and puts me on his lap because look we want to make your mama happy don't we it's like yeah well then, you need to do what they say, okay? Because this that will make mommy happy. And it's not going to hurt to say a prayer. It never hurts to say a prayer. And you're right, yes, you're forgiven every night. 
confess your sins. Okay? So, okay. Because that doesn't change. But this is just something that they like to do. So you do it for them to make her smile. Okay? And it's like, okay. You know, because my mom was crying. And I, I remember going over to her and said, don't cry, mama. I'll do it right. I'll do it right. Don't worry, Father Shoppy's not really mad. <laughs> she just hugged me and, you know, I went through it. I got through it. I got my first communion. Got my picture all taken. You know, I sucked my thumb till I was six. And t let me tell you, during that particular period in my life, I was sucking on my thumb and rubbing my ear like, oh, right. <laughs> so that was pretty much you know, my life until school, and we'll leave it for that. So I hope this helps you know me a little better and understand, you know, where I'm coming from. So I hope this helps. Blessings to you, and thank you. Thank you for being you.